0: You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and we are proud to welcome back returning sponsor, Onerez. Providing a powerful and flexible system for managing vacation rental properties, Onerez provides booking and maintenance management, payment scheduling and collection, as well as insightful reporting. Onerez will provide you with a long-term booking foundation that is scalable for your vacation rental business while fully managing your channel listings, but still focusing on your brand, your website, and your way of doing things. If you sign up now using the promotional code VRF30, that's VRF30, you can get 30% off your first three months. Make sure you're listening to the mid-episode break where you'll hear some great testimonials about Onerez and more about this incredible company. For more information about Onerez, click in the link in the description of this episode on your smart device. Let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Today,
1: I'm joined by Robin Cragen, a lifelong hospitality professional and the president and CEO of Moving Mountains in Colorado. Robin joined me for the 500th episode of the podcast, and I wanted to have him back on the show for a more in-depth conversation on his experience as a property manager and curator of amazing guest experiences. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host Heather Bayer and as ever I'm super delighted to be back with you once again. You know it's been over a year now since I sold my company and to be quite honest it's only in the last few weeks I have finally relaxed and realised I'm not responsible anymore for guest happiness I actually haven't been responsible for guest happiness for a long time, but you know, after 20 years of having the buck stop with me, it was really hard to shake off that feeling that we could always do better. Anyway, it's all lifted from me now. However, of course, I've just transferred that commitment to our newly minted Vacation Rental Formula Business School, but at least I'm in control of that. I don't have to corral cleaning teams or maintenance workers and I don't have to worry about owners who decide to swap out a king-size bed for a set of bunks or decide that they're going to stop by and take their canoe away from the rental property, put it on the top of the car and drive away because they're going on vacation and they need a canoe and then neglect to tell us that they've done so. Those were just a couple of things that I I recall happening and having to deal with in the year or two before we sold the company. You know, I don't think I'll ever be rid of some of those things that happened when I thought, oh gosh, we could have done so much better. Not sure how we could have done it, you know, corral in the owners and stop them from doing these things. However, being a property manager is really challenging in so many ways. It's a real plate juggling exercise. You've got to keep so many people happy and you've got to keep a close eye on profits as well. And it's not easy. And there's no one size fits all way of doing it either. It's dependent on so many moving parts from location, from seasonality, the nature of your competitors, legislation and regulations. And it takes us such a very special type of person to start a business like this and make it successful. And we just don't often hear of what goes on in the background. You know, you can go to these conferences and meet up with these big property managers and it looks like everything runs smoothly, but you know, underneath they're like that sort of proverbial swan gliding gently across the water. And if you look underneath It's paddling like mad to keep that serenity going. So in a LinkedIn post earlier this year, Brooke Fouts of Vintori asked 52 active and former property managers to reflect on their top 10 mistakes. And those responses were real and transparent and raw in some cases, And those responses have now made their way into a book which Brooke has called Vacation Rental Secrets, The Short-Term Rental Industry's Top Experts Disclose Their Biggest Mistakes and Share Their Hard-Earned Wisdom. And you know that's over 500 nuggets of wisdom that will help anybody that's grappling with this business to do it better than their predecessors did. Uh, I wish I'd had this book. I really do. And I think everybody of these 52 contributors wish they'd had this book when they started out. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to share how you can get a copy of the book and how to attend a free webinar where many of the contributors are going to be there to share even more of those experiences. One of those contributors is Robin Cragen. Robin was a panellist on our 500th episode, and today he's joining us to talk about some of those mistakes he made and also to share some of the secrets of his success with Moving Mountains, his luxury rental company in Colorado. So without further ado, let's move on to talk to Robin Cragen. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so delighted to have with me today, Robin Cragen from Moving Mountains. You may recall, if you listened to the 500th episode of the podcast, that Robin was part of the panel that we did on that day, talking about where this business is going. And there was so much that Robin talked about then that I hadn't heard before. I really wanted to get him on his own one-on-one and have a really good conversation. So welcome, Robin. Thanks so much for joining me.
2: Thank you, Heather. It's exciting to be back and uh, nice to have you to myself. for a, <laughs> for a <few> minutes.
1: <laughs> Well, you know, we've, we've sort of crossed paths over the years and we've never really had a chance to sit down and have a chat. And I, I love what you're doing with Moving Mountains from what I can see from the website and from hearing you on everybody else's podcast. Everybody else has got in before me. <laughs> You know, when I started out in 2014, I got everybody for the first time. Now, you know, they're coming on. It's like, oh, I was on this podcast and that podcast. And so. Uh,
2: you know, but Heather, your podcast is so well established. I feel like I finally arrived now that I have actually <laughs> made it to your podcast. <laughs> So, oh well thank you that's you know.
1: that is that is very kind you know I'm thinking right <laughs> here am I sort of still plodding on, and there's there's just hundreds of them coming in now, all these new ones, and so some- many
2: lonely nights waiting for the invite. You know, <laughs> <finally here. laughs>
1: Well, here you are now. And, you know, I've spent some time listening to some of the podcasts that you've been on and I've looked at your, I I have a thing about About Us pages on websites. And I think that every property manager and every host should be open and transparent and tell The people that are visiting that page, who they are and where they've come from, and why they're passionate about the business. And your About Us page on Moving Mountains is just lovely. I learned so much about you that was so interesting. And you've had such a varied life so far that as you ended up into this vacation rental industry, I'd love to have a little bit of a potted, you know, tell everybody this potted history. Of Robin Cragen and what those experiences that you've had over the years have taught you about running a successful company.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have told this story a few times, but I mean, the potted history would be after um, finishing business school that I had aspirations to uh, get a ski season out of my uh, system. So I, I, I said before, I get a job in the city of London and uh, become a stockbroker that I'm I'm going to do this and and do it once and for all. And to be honest, one thing led to another. One ski season led to a summer in the Greek islands, led to another ski season. And, um, you know, my entrepreneurial spirit began during that time. I had some experiences at college that kind of showed me what is possible. And we actually, uh, I, I kind of came back from the ski business and set up a windsurfing vacation company that ended up being sold to a much larger business during that time, I, I learned kind of like we learned along the way of the things that we like and we don't like. And what I learned is I didn't really love working for a big company. And in 1991, a guy came into the office and said, you know, there's this thing, the Gulf War, we're looking to reduce staff, we're looking to start with uh, who wants to leave first. And I mean, mine was one of the first hands in the air. And I took that opportunity to take kind of a sabbatical, did a little windsurfing, sitting on the beach and pondered my future and decided that in my dreams, was the idea that if I before I get myself tied down to too much more, I was going to sail across the Atlantic. That journey, hitchhiking across the Atlantic with, uh, with a flow of boats that goes across every year, took me to the Caribbean. Um, I had spent some time that previous summer getting a captain's license, and I began a career as a yachtsman. And that's a very fun lifestyle for someone in their 20s into my early 30s, yacht racing and yacht chartering, I learned all about that. And uh, and during that time, I met my girlfriend who became my wife, Heather, and my business partner. And uh, together we ran a 72-foot yacht in the British Virgin Islands. And I feel like being around people that are on vacation, I like that travel industry in itself. When we brought that to the situation of Endless Summer 2, the yacht we used to run, um, it, was, it was kind of the culmination of all of that. Plus, I was being shown how to provide a level of hospitality that ultimately transitioned into the company that we uh, formed to to bring ourselves to land to raise a family in Colorado and we we took so much of what we learned from that journey into this is how we're going to do moving mountains this is the experience that we're going to offer all the things that we did for people on the yacht anticipating their every need making a complicated potentially complicated vacation into a much simpler much more fun vacation experience well we we just did all of that for a ski vacation, and, and that was the beginning. We started with the one house. We used to joke that this one house was like our yacht on the side of the hill. Didn't move at night. We slept better <laughs> than we'd slept in the last four years. People didn't try and park their house next to us in the middle of the night. Um, but you know that was the that was the beginning of the of the story, and uh, and many things for us filled in the way that we had dreamed. You know, we we had a couple of kids. We raised our family and we began growing this business and we applied so many of the things that we had learned from working on a boat about being resourceful and and looking ahead and, and never taking things for granted. There were everything, to be honest, everything seems so much easier doing hospitality in a house um, than, than doing it um, on a yacht.
1: I, I cannot imagine the yacht charter business. Have, having, <laughs> having spent some time with with my son and his wife on on their catamaran for uh, when when they were doing their sailing trip for a year, it's a very small space, and we were family. Maybe that's worse. Actually, maybe <laughs> it's worse being family. But when you when you've got people, and, and granted, yours was seventy two foot. That was. quite a bit longer than theirs was, you know, how many people did you take out on the yacht?
2: So it was an average of about six to eight guests. Um, So very comfortable um, with three crew, myself um, and Heather as the chef, and we had a first mate. But what we really took away from that experience is how much we could influence the outcome of that week. It wasn't just about taking people to the Mm -hmm. six or seven spots that we were going to visit during the week. It was about, the extra things that we could put into it. And and, I mean, I was stepping into a well-oiled machine. The owner, Barry, um, had really been doing this for many years. And his turning point was hiring Heather, who ultimately kicked him off his boat to bring me in um, as the captain. And, um, you know, that became our opportunity to kind of take what he had been doing over the years and take it to another level. And I think it was a journey for him, too thinking, well, what am I doing? Giving my, my guests, my repeat guests that I've been cultivating to these two kids. And, and then him realizing that it wasn't going to be the same experience, but it wasn't that it was a negative either. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, he had shown Heather and the first mate at that time, really everything that he wanted to put into it. And we just simply took that to the next level. And I still think about things that we do now every day that, really trace back to our experiences of working on the boat and and just how we think about things. I mean, a lot of our approach to property management, you know, it's it's one part to say that we're in the hospitality business, but, you know, a big part of being able to deliver these experiences is being trusted with these incredible homes that we manage. And I think our approach, our, our approach to property management was very aligned with how we were trained to maintain the yacht. Mm-hmm. You know, this constant proactive versus reactive the last thing you want to be doing is fixing something while you have guests on the boat that are trying to have a good time It's is my dreaded nightmare to have to pull up the uh the floor to the engine room while we're sailing to somewhere and try and figure out why the engine won't mm-hmm. um, won't start or something like that so you know it, it turns into the the checklist that we do in the off season that are proactive uh, maintenance steps cleaning out dry events and checking washer hoses, and and during the winter, we're always looking at the roofs of the houses we manage to to wait for where the uh, ice dam is going to form because that's going to bring water into the house. All those things, you know, have over the years turned into a steady trickle of reservations that we have captured sometimes because other people were not maintaining their Mm -hmm. homes as well, and we would benefit from those guests that were getting displaced because there was a problem with the home that they were staying in. And for us, it was, it's been a process of reducing down the calls of getting at seven o'clock at night. that That's a frustration to our team to have to deal with something when you have a guest in the house who's disappointed and, and needs us to come solve a problem.
1: So let, let's go back to the beginning again. What were yeah. your goals when you, when you started? Did you, <laughs> Well, let's, let's start with how many properties do you have now?
2: Uh, we're at about 200 right now. Okay, And we're looking at some opportunities to branch out beyond mountains into into beaches and oceans but but the core the core of what we do is we manage about 200 luxury homes in four ski markets so um, steamboat that's our home base breckenridge vale and beaver creek
1: so when you started was 200 your goal was 300 your goal
2: no no and in <laughs> fact that's been uh, one of my kind of messages to i've i've done some panels and things like that and, and so on at conferences and I've said to people, you know, I think it might have made a real difference to how we did so many things if maybe we'd even gone into this with a vision of, you know, we're trying to create this portfolio of homes. We were the opposite of that. Our vision, our, the company was moving Mountain Chalet. We started with one house and that was our vision of that. That was the horizon for us. When we took on a second home, which I think was in the in the third year. It was as simple, we just added an S. You know, when we, 10 years later, took on the management of uh, a a very large private residence club at the base of the ski mountain, then we dispensed with the term chalets because we kind of broadened our experiences into things that didn't fully fit the description of a chalet. And we became moving mountains, you know, and that that sort of speaks to, oh, we're at this point. Okay, let's take this fork in the road and let's go in that direction. And it wasn't until 2019 that we even though we've been hearing it from our guests for many years, that if we were in different markets, they would follow us to those markets. Mm. It wasn't until 2019 that we actually grew outside of Steamboat Springs. And that has been kind of the trajectory that we've been on for the last four or five years now of rapid growth and realizing that there's a lot more potential to our business.
1: So so would you say that was your tipping point, 2019, and yep. when, when you decided to branch out and from from there it's been as you say upward trajectory since. I think,
2: I think people look at you and think 200 homes you know you make it look easy and it's like without realizing that we spent 20 years getting to 100 properties and we were very thoughtful about every step of the way and you know my biggest concern that i voiced over and over was i don't want people to say that moving mountains was a great company five years ago when it was small and family friendly, and felt like everybody had their fingers Mm -hmm. on everything. You know, and it was, it's been our challenge. We've kind of challenged ourselves to say, can we continue to make the experience as good as what made us successful in the first place? Can we continue to do that at 200 properties, which amazingly, and I credit our team every step of the way for this is we're, we're making it happen. It's, it's really been amazing
1: you've You've talked a number of times you've mentioned a number of times the experience guest experience yeah. that you know and yeah. how how important that is in your ten biggest mistakes, which is your list that is going yeah. into Brooke Fouts's book uh um, I'd seen
2: that book twenty years ago <laughs> I know
1: me too, me too. Yeah. When I read some of those, I thought, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for those of you listening, I did mention at the beginning that I'll be talking a little bit more about uh, how you can get hold of the book and how you can come along to the webinar and and hopefully see Robin there and myself and 40, well, 50 others maybe uh, towards yeah. the end of August. So I'll be talking about that after this interview is over. But in your list, you said that failing to develop standards that provide a consistent guest experience was a mistake. At what point did you decide that was an issue and you needed to resolve it? Was, was there some one particular incident or was it something that happened over time?
2: Well, you know, it's been a, it's been over many years and, and I'm fond of saying, you know, we are the product of our failures more than our successes in terms of we made mistakes, we learned from it, we try not to repeat the same mistake again. And one of the mistakes that we made early on was taking on a home that maybe didn't deliver the wow factor and didn't have the consistency of some of the other homes. You know, we were fortunate that we started at the top end of the market and that was kind of our core. And then other property owners came to us and said, you know, hey, we'd love to work with you guys. Take a look at our home. We'd go and say, yeah, seems like a nice home. Let's let's add this. You know, maybe it's good to have something different. What we realized is, Along with the services that we provide, and we don't just rent someone a house. We try to do everything for them, just as, as we used to do on the boat. You know, we're arranging groceries and lift tickets and ski school and private instruction and these kind of things as a typical standard. We realized that guests coming into a, to a lower budget home that maybe didn't have so many bells and whistles, didn't want the same set of services, didn't appreciate everything we were putting into it. And if we did have a guest who had stayed with us in one of our nicer homes go to, to this home because maybe it was all we had available, then there was this disappointment of, well, this home doesn't have, you know, flat screen TVs. You know, we've been in the business so long that we've seen the arrival of the flat screen TV. You know, and it, it was all things like that that are the bells and whistles that become an expectation That in the beginning, you're excited when you get a house like that. When you've been doing this a while, then today, the conversation with a new owner is it's a requirement. We certainly don't want to see anything other than a flat screen TV. We have an expectation that your home's going to have a hot tub and a grill. Um, There's got to be some wow factor. There's got to be a decent view. It's got to be in a good location. And then we began with standardizing things like the kitchen inventory Mm -hmm. and saying our guests, like many guests in vacation homes, they truly want to entertain. So there's an expectation of serving dishes, baking trays, you know, bake, whatever you need for baking, which might go far and beyond what the average owner who runs down to Walmart and picks up a, you know, a standard pack of plates and knives and forks and says, oh, this will do. You know, it's not, we're not a cheap and cheerful operation and where we fail to meet that standard of some of the other homes we quickly realized that we needed to start kind of drawing a line and saying, this is us. This is what we represent in the market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, thinking about my own experiences of occasionally staying in a hotel and realizing, you know, we kind of graduate towards staying in a Marriott hotel because that bed is comfortable wherever you are. And that became a goal of ours is, well, why not have the same linens and the same bedding experience in every one of our homes? Here we are three years after we began that initiative to go right through the portfolio. Now you can say that the same sheets are on every bed in every home that we manage.
1: Yeah, a lot of what you said really resonated with me because I remember starting out in the business back in 2003. And then, you know, and most people, when they start out, you take whatever comes at you and sometimes it's cast offs from other property managers but it's fine cuz it's inventory but it comes the point where you've got to make that that decision and i think it's almost for, for for many of us it's it's that luxury of being able to select the properties and, and be ultra selective talking to tian Ty- i think
2: that is that's a stage of life in property management you know you're getting somewhere when yes you know and it's like when you te- when you say to the owner i'm not taking your house unless you do xyz And it's got to have this, this, and this. And, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to watch my team come back to me and say, yeah, I told them we weren't taking it unless they did X, Y, Z. And, you know, you know that sometimes probably nine out of ten homes that are knocking on the door we don't end up taking. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
2: That's that's a a milestone. And if you're out there as a property manager and you've had that experience, you should know that you're making real progress.
1: I recall – I think 2020, I can't remember when I sold my company now, 2021, uh, the year before. And I look back on how many owner inquiries we had, something like over yeah. 300 owner inquiries in that year. And I think we took on less than 20 properties out of that 300. Yeah. And that, I mean, you know, jokingly that was
2: amongst <laughs> other, other property managers, we all talk about how we're um, slowly educating the the vacation rental owners of this world to how to be a better owner it's a two-way street. In fact, I think I kind of learned it from one of my owners um, when we were doing a video testimony and uh, he was willing to sort of speak about, you know, what the experience had been. And he kind of said it back to me in this video of halfway through the, the first meeting with Robin and going through our home, I realized he was interviewing me as much as I was interviewing him. <laughs>
1: Yes, and, and I think that's when you realize that you are achieving success and you've exactly not necessarily made it because I don't think we ever do that, but you've, you've got to that level. You've learned from your mistakes. I mean, yeah. when you
2: say, when an owner says, well, you know, we're going to use it for all the busiest times of the year. Um, we just need you to fill in a couple of gaps here and there. We just shake our heads. It's like, you know, what we put into onboarding your home and bringing it into the marketplace and building a clientele for your home, that isn't going to work. And you learn to ask those questions before going down that path and being frustrated with the experience. And maybe you're frustrating them too, because Mm -hmm. you haven't spoken at all.
1: So do you have a team of people who go out and have these discussions or is it just you?
2: No, no, it's no longer me. Um, We have truly a business development team. It's really exciting to see the people that we have on our team and, and how they've taken the ball and they just run with it. So Katie Bell is our business development director. She is out there fielding these inquiries, grilling the owners along with the general manager in that particular market. They'll go out and meet with the homeowner, um, walk through the experience and really, you know, learn to set expectations about what it is that, well, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that we can provide? And it's a really, it's the benefit perhaps of being in the market for as long as we have in that um, many of these inquiries are coming referred to us from realtors and other locals in the marketplace. It isn't that uncommon for people to come and say, well, three or four people basically told me, for the kind of home that we have, you're really the only company that we should be looking at. And, you know, it's not as if we would sit before them and say, how do we win your business? We are fond of saying we're not the cheapest in the market, but we're also not trying to cut corners. And I think that that has maybe been the challenge of the last few years when you've seen so many new types of companies coming into this business, the disruptors, the mass market companies saying, we can do more, we're a tech company, we've got all these tools without realizing that we have all those same tools ourselves, but we're actually local in the markets and we've been doing this a while and you can't cut corners in this business. It's about what happens when things go wrong is typically where you show your value And I don't love to paint that picture when I'm onboarding somebody and saying, you're going to be glad you signed us. Mm -hmm. And on Christmas Eve, your hot tub goes down, and we've got a guy who'll leave his Christmas dinner to come and fix that hot tub because he values the relationship he's had with us for the last 15 years.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. A lot of what you're saying falls right into Matt Landau's limited edition, and I know you spend a lot of time. Oh, yeah. We speak the same language there for sure. Yeah. We're going to take a short break just now to hear about our sponsor, Ownerez, directly from one of their clients. We'll be back to our interview in just a few moments.
3: Hi, my name is Adria, and I own and manage three homes plus a suite in Page, Arizona, a few hours from the Grand Canyon, and have been actively short-term running for nearly 10 years. One way I stand out from the crowd is by offering three houses in combinations, plus my neighbor's suite. The larger guest count multi-house listings are surprisingly successful. Some months we have more multi-house bookings than single-house stays. Offering all three houses individually, plus various permutations of two or three houses, plus allowing the suite to be added to any of those, provides tremendous versatility. OwnerRez has been instrumental in the success of my vacation rental business. The expansion from one house to multiple properties introduced particular complexities. Owner Res mutual blocking feature has been a perfect solution. Instantly blocking the calendars of related listings to prevent scheduling conflicts. I cannot even imagine creating these complex permutations of multi-house listings without having the benefit of OwnerRez. The thought of relying on channel iCal syncing? Uh-uh, no way. OwnerRez's capabilities have been crucial in managing the intricacies of my short-term rental business. The thought of double bookings can be stressful, but with OwnerRez, I can trust that such issues are mitigated, allowing me to focus on providing a top-notch guest experience. Exceptional hospitality for my guests means providing all the information they need to craft their once-in-a-lifetime experience. Owner Res automation features have proven invaluable in streamlining communication. Utilizing messaging templates and automated triggers, I can ensure that guests receive the necessary information at optimal times without me manually tracking each individual message. This saves time and allows me to maintain a high level of guest satisfaction by providing timely relevant info. Res has transformed our property management workflow. The platform's advanced features and automation capabilities have significantly reduced the time and effort required for various manual tasks. As a matter of fact, I like Owner Res so much that when they were hiring last fall, I took a job and now work on the support team. I like and respect Owner Res even more now that I can see behind the scenes.
1: Well, that was a great testimonial. And now back to our interview. Tell us about some of the, in the more unconventional approaches you take to enhance your guest satisfaction and, and loyalty.
2: You know, I, maybe this speaks to uh, where we came from, and maybe it was a naive, naivete in the in the beginning that we really went into our first chalet, which was a catered ski chalet, slightly upscale from a standard vacation rental. But we really sat and thought about what is it we want to provide, what is the experience, and we didn't. We weren't guided by anything else that was in the market. We didn't come in with the idea of saying, "Well, let's do what these guys are doing." We almost said. Let's do the opposite. And it's been interesting to watch the more established management companies and in Steamboat particularly move away from talking about, you know, unit 101 to suddenly they've started giving them names. And one day they announced about 10 years ago, we're going to start market units individually. You know, light bulb moment, like (laughs) what homeowner wants to hear that, (laughs) that finally you're going to treat them as an individual. Whereas we were able to go into the marketplace and say, we will represent you individually, your home, your view, your furnishings, your amenities. This will be a unique experience. And these guests are booking your home. And it's bizarre to think, I mean, I feel like that's become more the standard now, but it's bizarre to think that we were changing the rules of the game at the time. We also came in with the idea um, that we were going to have direct booking relationships with guests you know, we were at the early days of the Internet. And so it was an expectation that people were booking with us direct. There weren't OTAs. You know, we were one of the first people signing on with VRBO and Airbnb when they came to the marketplace. But by that time, we'd been in business several years and we had a book of clients that they didn't even know about these platforms. So, you know, it it is interesting in terms of our time place in the industry and how OTAs and distribution is is something relatively new to us and to the industry um, but i think our mindset was always about we are a relationship business it's our relationship with our homeowners our relationship with our guests that's going to secure the future of this business and we've never we've never strayed away from that like you stop in your tracks when you meet somebody who's been in the business three years and has 300 homes and and probably doesn't know any of those homeowners really on the level that we know our homeowners. And they talk about owner churn, they talk about guest churn, they talk about their reliance on the platform. In fact, uh, I even remember asking at one of the breakout sessions in one of the conferences to somebody, is like, well, what's your direct booking strategy? And he looked at me like I was speaking foreign language. He's, he's like, well, what do you mean? They just go back on Airbnb and they book again the next year. <laughs> it's like, well, you- you're in bed with Airbnb <laughs> forever.
1: So this being the case i mean so um, i i had annie holcomb on the podcast last week she called me an og old guard and be, because we were the same as you we started in 2003 we were direct booking from the very beginning does anybody out there who's been in the business three years now ever heard of home away
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> but but me i i too see these you know there's 200, 300 homes, and we've just been in business for two or three years. Do you think this is the way it's going? Do you think the relationship business is going to disappear over time?
2: I don't. I don't. In fact, I think it's our superpower. I'll go back to um, you know Matt Landau's theory of limited edition. I, I honestly think that it's the thing that reassures me that we will always have a future in this industry. There is a place for commoditized lodging experiences. There were property management companies managing thousands of units before vacation rentals became a thing. But that is becoming more understood by the consumer. If you pay $60 a night for a condo down by the beach, your expectations probably aren't that high. You are expecting to get codes by text and to have a property manager that may or may not show up within 24 hours if you have a problem. And that has worked for certain types of lodging for many years. But the opportunity for, you know, it fits to certain segments of the market. So depending on the kind of experience you're looking to have with your family, I feel like our opportunity is those families that have stayed with us. Many people say, I've stayed all over and finally I found you guys and I'm not going to stray away from that now. That's the value in building a brand. That is the path that the hotels have shown us. Um, can work. So when you when you start thinking about building a brand, especially if you're going to grow into different markets and saying, well, this brand represents consistency and value and a high touch level of service in any area that they operate. As long as we don't stray from that standard, then I think that we have an opportunity to continue growing a business. But it's probably not going to succeed with 10,000 or 20,000 Units in beach markets where there's just thousands of condos side by side mm-hmm. and they're all trading based on you know one or two dollars per night difference in their in the nightly rate. That isn't the game that we're in.
1: Yeah, and yes, the you you call units. I hear keys, yeah. doors, units and keys. Um,
2: I don't allow that word. I have to train new new hires that that word doesn't belong in this company. And we have a short list of other other terms and, and so on that we don't allow. Speaks to the the mindset, right? We, that our 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 thought is you're staying in a home. That is the value proposition. Families like to be in a home. And home says comfort yep. and security and safety and fun, privacy.
1: Yeah, exactly. We took years to actually move the Ontario market from calling guest renters. And we, we were the first to say, no, they're not <laughs> renters. They're guests. And still, in, in right. fact, I went back over some old blog posts I wrote way back in sort of 2008 and 2009 recently, and I was calling them renters. But we made those changes and th- things will continue. We figure to- out
2: who we want to be over there. Yeah, we figure it out who we want to be and we, we kind of learn what resonates. And yeah. you can't say that we knew all the answers on day one by any means. I think we've learned who we are and we've recognized the value of of different things. I think to the power of um, personal connection, you know, it was a learning experience realizing that take advantage of any opportunity to make a personal connection with the guest. So it begins for us with doing a personal check-in, in-home check-in, which when I've done a vacation rental, I've always loved having a host meet me at the house and get us dialed in, even if it's 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's enough to kind of set the tone for the beginning of the stay When you've just arrived, you've been traveling all day long, and you have no idea where anything is, it gets more comfortable as every day goes by. But I think you accelerate that process when you have an in-person check-in. And, you know, we have our people that show up. If there's kids in the group, they go with teddy bears and coloring books. And there's an extra, like, little opportunity to surprise and delight. The kids are like, wow, and they start running around. And, you know, it's like we've just learned that if the kids are happy, the parents are happy.
1: Oh, yeah. Do do you know that still applies when the kids are in their 30s? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's take a a step aside. And I want to talk about your tech, please. How has your tech changed over the years? And, you know, what's in your tech stack now?
2: Well, yeah, my my tech in the beginning, I I mentioned this at the last uh, VRMA International. We started with spreadsheets, I think, (laughs) very much as you did. And that was because there really weren't a lot of property management systems. I think um, it, the big one back then, um, first choice or mm. whatever, whatever it was, that, you know, that was too big and expensive for us when we started. We did start with the spreadsheets. We've been through four various iterations of uh, property management system, but we've arrived, you know, we're using track today. And I think we have a pretty first in class tech stack but now what we're realizing is that we need to consolidate that down into a more integrated solution. I feel very fortunate that we're doing this business at this time in, you know, in, the, in the evolution of the industry because there's so much great technology available today that wasn't around five years ago, that wasn't around 10 years <laughs> ago. We were jumping up and down when we got our first online reservation and now 20% of the guests that book with us click on our website and, and make a reservation and maybe don't even really talk to us that much. And, uh, you know, that continues to be something that we benefit from because we also know that the consumer expectation is they want want an Amazon-level of shopping experience, right? It's very hard for a small company like us to develop a technology that serves up the vacation to them, that they can just go, oh, that's good, click, buy, Mm -hmm. $15,000, send, confirmed. You know, all that automation... I think of all the various things that are now an expectation that just roll off the platform that, you know, that used to involve talking to the guest for hours, minutes, days, even sending a booking form proposal to them by fax, <laughs> waiting for that fax to come back. The fax machines chews it up the first time that it prints it. You have to get them to resend it, all these things. Everything was so manual over the years. And, you know, I go back to the travel industry. I've been doing this for way too long. And, you know, back to the days of having to send brochures to people. When I worked in the travel industry in London, you used to put an ad in the Sunday Times. (laughs) You'd get a phone call on Monday. Hey, could you send me your brochure? You'd send the brochure. A week later, you get a phone call. They make a reservation. One reservation on average for every 25 brochures that we'd send out. So you realize how the industry has changed. I remember I, I'm riding a high right now with everything that we have at our fingertips.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember when I, when I started in the business way it was back in the nineties and started a company called Clearwater Holidays and we were marketing Ontario cottages to the British market. And, and I remember going to Bournemouth to a, uh, to a travel show, a travel yep. exhibition. And, and we had all these very expensive glossy brochures printed and did exactly that. You know, we, we, had our ads in the times and the telegraph and and we got that odd booking here and there and yeah look at where we are now definitely old guard robin definitely
2: oh god but i mean you know maybe that just helps us to appreciate how good the tech is today you know we're using breezeway for operations management you know that has replaced the big whiteboard that mm-hmm. had to be transcribed every day with who was coming who was leaving who was cleaning, who was doing what what tasks. You know, having a system like that, again, it's a game changer in this industry because it allows you to think about doing more with the people that you have and being more consistent and more reliable. I can't believe how much we do just using live chat on our website. Mm. You know that people are reluctant to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. But they want, they love live chatting with you and they love texting you and they pretty much want a book from their phone without talking to
1: you. Yes. Yes. We, we saw, I I saw that so much more just in the last couple of years before we, we, we sold that, that the live chat and the texting was, it was what people, what people wanted. Okay. We're sort of coming towards the end of the time we have. And I wanted to ask you to give some advice to any aspiring short-term rental operators who might be listening to this. And I know there's a lot of them who, aim to achieve similar success. What would you say to them?
2: Well, I mean, I'd probably say go out and buy a copy of that book for starters, because um, there's a shortcut to uh, many, many years of learning the hard way. But I would say really try and figure out what it is you want to be early on and maybe try to describe that vision because it's going to influence the kind of technology that you decide to bring into your business. So, if we had started saying, well, we're going to have 200 properties in four different markets and we're going to look at different options down the road, then I think we would have probably early on, more early on, gone from more enterprise level software. But there are perfect software solutions out there for someone who says, I don't want to have more than 20 homes and I just want to be in the one market. And I, you know, there, we all know that that can be a very good business model too. So I think identify your vision and, and the tools that you need to get there because um, the most one of the most painful experiences that I know you've been through, and I've certainly been through, is changing your software as you grow. It's like pulling off your shell and uh, putting on a new one, and that is one of the most you you go back so many steps in order to go forwards. Every year that we had to go through one of those big transitions was a year of flatline growth mm-hmm. because we were just completely distracted with making those transitions. I would really advise people to get to know who your competitors are in the market because. We really have had a good experience in our local markets where we talk about cooperation as opposed to competition. Um, So having respectful boundaries uh, makes for a better business environment. And it really, the fact that that's even possible speaks to the second part is get to know the industry, listen to podcasts like Heather's um, and like the dozens of others that are out there now, because you can learn from the, others in this industry and, we, and we're willing to talk about our mistakes and we're willing to talk about what's working and, um, and go to conferences and really, really get a sense of what this industry is. Because in that way, I think that you won't find yourself going off into left field trying to ply your own field and uh, create something new. You might realize that, hey, there's an op- opportunity for me to replicate what these guys are doing in this place very effectively in this market and to be aligned with some of the meeting some of the other challenges that we're we're trying to overcome as an industry like to be a good player maybe if collectively more of us could be good actors then there would be less regulatory pressure <laughs> on the industry we're in catch up mode because of the allowing so many individuals to just go out there and put the homes up on Airbnb and not care about how they were impacting the neighbors so I think it's uh, it's all things to do with, you know, become aware of the industry and, and learn from others because there is no playbook on how to do this, but there's a lot of information out there now that could guide you to a quicker path to being a successful business.
1: So if you were starting this all over again... You know, I would, I'd, never
2: do it. I'd never do it. Never,
1: <laughs> never touch, not touch with a barge pole. I was, I was actually saying to uh, to somebody the other day, you know, 20 years ago when we started, I had seven homes of my own. Why did I not just continue to buy and sell homes? And sure. that might have been a much easier path to go and let somebody else manage them. But would you, you know think, thinking on those those mistakes that you made is there is there, there is there anything else that you would have done you would do differently if you started again that we haven't mentioned yet? You
2: know, I think probably the only thing that we were slow getting there was um was about company culture. I think company culture. They never talked about it in the way that we use it in our business today. When I was in business school, that was never like, hey, today we're going to teach you about company culture, but it has been the most powerful force within our company. I would say early on, identify what your vision is for the business and identify what your culture is and what your values are, because getting your team to understand why you do what you do, you know, this is a fun business to be in. To be around people that are on vacation, and to have people say back to you, you know, this is one of the best vacations we've ever had in our lives. That's a very meaningful career to have—to mm-hmm. be creating those experiences. And when people choose to come back and and do that again and again with you, it's like I really feel good about what we do. And when we hear owners say, "You guys do a great job of taking care of our home," it's sort of that validation. Well. You know, it turns out that it's a nice thing to have validation for your work that's positive. So you feel good about going to work every day instead of feeling like, oh, my God, I'm back to the mm-hmm. coalface tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and 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 I hear it from others, those who are really successful, like Lance and Elaine Stitcher, when yes. they talk about their company culture, the Harrelsons in... Alabama down in Orange Beach, Tyan Marsink, who's growing a very lovely company in Branson talks the same, you know, they talk and about their, their people, team, you
2: know. The, the Castigo their, their team, part.
1: absolutely, yeah. yes.
2: The fact that culture is becoming a day one topic um, at conferences in our industry is really a sign of good things. Yeah. I think we're all learning from each other and I love how people love to share what their culture is and I mean, we're all not that different, but the ones that are at the front of that are the ones that speak about culture on a weekly, if not daily, if not hourly basis.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to Lauren Maidwell from um, Auntie Vellum's uh, Cabins in a couple of weeks' time because I, you know, co- company culture is very dear I know to her yeah. heart, and that, that that's looks like a fun place to work. That looks like a really fun place to work. Robin, it's been an absolute pleasure talking Thanks, talking with you. Encourage everybody that's listening that you know to go buy Brooke's book when it when it comes out. I'll be using I'll be including some information on that uh, in a few moments. But Robin's mistakes are in there as are the mistakes of fifty one others. So I can't. You know, I'm, I'm looking out for my copy coming in the mail. <laughs> It's kind of
2: the opposite approach to to the way you think you would talk about your business because we all like to talk about the good things. But I believe me, we all know we've made mistakes. And uh, I mean, the beautiful thing is being able to learn from that and not repeat them. So yeah. that's what's made the industry what it is.
1: It was always amazing to see how many we had in common. Uh, yes. <laughs> so it was good to look at that So oh, it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Robin, thank you so much. I know I will get to see you, speak to you at a conference near us in the uh, upcoming months. I'll look, look forward to that. to that.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Heather.
1: Thank you so much, Robin Cragen, for joining me. That was terrific. Just talking about yachting and sailing around the Caribbean just reminded me that, that that's what I was doing three or four years ago, or planning on doing when uh, when Mike and his wife took their year's sabbatical and bought a catamaran. And that was just absolutely wonderful. I'd love to do that again. Maybe when Robin and Heather build out um, Moving Oceans, I can get to try out a little bit of yachting again. That'll be very, very cool. Anyway, it was super interesting to hear Robin's take uh, on the industry and how he has built moving mountains to the huge success it is now. And just as we'd, we'd finished recording, and I was saying something about leaving the business after 20 years, and he said, you know, he's he's not there yet. He's definitely not anywhere near that point of giving this up. And after so many years, he's definitely doing something right. So as I've mentioned a couple of times Brooke Fouts' book, which is called Vacation Rental Secrets, is going to be available very soon. I'll put a link to where you can go and find out about it in the show notes and a link to the free webinar that's going to be on the 29th of August, I believe. And you can just come along. I think Brooke is marshalling as many of the 52 contributors to be on that webinar So that's going to be a lot of fun as well. You know, are we going to, is anybody going to get a word in edgeways as we we all want to talk about the mistakes we made and what we learned from them because that's what it's all about. I love this idea. As Robin said, I wish I'd had this book when I was starting out. Me too. You know, back in 2003, and I've mentioned this many times before that I had absolutely no clue how to run a property management business when I started. and I made a ton of mistakes and was probably still making mistakes up until the last couple of years um, when we sort of got things really, really ironed out and running smoothly. So yeah, head on over to the show notes and you'll see all that information just or just go to vacationrentalformula.com and go to podcasts. Uh, you'll see it in the nav bar at the top. Go take a look at our new website. We're very proud of it. And it really is coming along. It's loads of information on there. We've got you know, 10 steps of the vacation rental journey, if you like, or the you know the short-term rental management journey. And you can go into each of those steps, and each one is a sort of a learning piece of, of its very own. And, and I'm building on those all the time. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on our new website, and and if you found it interesting. And of course, we want to see more people on our Facebook group, which is the Business of Short-Term Rental and Property Management. It's a fantastic group. There's just over 4,000 members there. And it always makes me feel good when I see a question asked. And within, you know, half an hour, an hour, there's half a dozen responses and all these very, very clever, experienced people are jumping in and offering some help. And it's one of the few groups that that I know of where nobody's ever mean to somebody else. Some of these groups can be really a little bit harsh, apart from the fact that I don't tolerate that and I'll remove any mean comments anyway. (laughs) uh, It it is really a nice group and there's a lot of helpfulness and kindness in there. So take a moment if you're not a member of the Business of Short-Term Rental and Property Management, our Facebook group, to go along and join. We'd love to have you. Okay. As ever, if you've got any questions, if you've got any comments, if you've got any suggestions for the podcast or for me, let me know at heather at And if you are that, that way inclined, I'd love it if you would leave me a nice review because the more reviews we get, the more people get to see the podcast and become new listeners. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening once again. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And, of course, I'll be along next week.
0: This episode was brought to you by the kind returning sponsorship of Onerez. Don't forget, if you sign up, use the promotional code VRF30, that's VRF30, to get 30% off your first three months of usage of Onerez, which is an internationally recognized leader in vacation rental software and you can click the link in the description of this episode on your smart device or head over to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash to find out more.
1: It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.